0: At some point in our lives, we will all experience the death of a loved one. If you or someone you know is experiencing the grief that comes with losing someone you love, then I have a life-changing experience to offer you. If you could connect with your loved one through a medium and talk to them one more time, would you like that opportunity? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I would like to give you access to the 2019 Afterlife Awareness Conference live stream. This event is happening June 6th through 9th in Salt Lake City, Utah, but we are bringing it to the comfort of your own home with our live stream access. We have an early bird special that ends April 15th, 2019 for only $99. Over 25 hours of education about the afterlife, near death experiences, how other cultures grieve, and information and ways on how you can heal the grief within. For your access to this amazing content, visit path11productions.com and get your access before the price goes up to $129. If your wallet is a little tight this month, no problem. We got you covered. We also offer a payment plan that makes it easy to pay for your live stream access. Take the step to heal your grief and give yourself the gift of healing today. So today I am joined with Taryn Estes, the founder of the Conscious Dying Institute, and she is a nationally recognized expert on death, dying, end-of-life care, and education. She works with health systems and senior communities to teach end-of-life culture change and will be sharing her wisdom with us at the Afterlife Awareness Conference in Salt Lake City, Utah this year with an experiential pre-conference workshop called Conscious Dying Part 2. So Taryn, we'd like to welcome you to the Path 11 podcast today. Thank you. So lovely to be here, April. Yeah, now we uh, came to learn about you through our connection uh, with the Afterlife Awareness Conference. And last year when we were out in Orlando, Florida, we decided to bring some of the presenters onto the podcast to talk about uh, what what it is that they were going to be presenting. And I have to say that um, last year I began to learn about these end-of-life doulas. And I may or may not be getting or feeling the call to maybe go into this area area in my life in this next chapter that I have, but I find um, this practice to just be so remarkable and healing, and I feel it is so strongly needed. So I was really excited to begin to learn more about the Conscious Dying Institute and the work that you're doing and the trainings that you have, and I couldn't wait to uh, get you on the line to talk to you about all of this. So um, some of this information might be new for our listeners to hear because I know that it was new for me. I didn't even know that this stuff was existing until I went to the Afterlife Conference last year. So I was hoping you can start off with giving our listeners a little bit more of your background and how you got into this beautiful call of the work that you're doing now.
1: Um,
0: sure. Um, so
1: your, your first question with how I got into the work really is um, a beautiful one and it is something people ask me uh, very frequently. My, I'm from a really small town in Tennessee, and my uh, family um, and the whole community focused on just simple the the simple uh, rites of passage in life, such as marriages, births, and deaths. And when someone died, we all turned out for the funeral, no matter how old we were whether we were like eight months old or, you know, 98 people went and, and gave and brought their presence to the family and the people in the community, because the community, we knew everyone in the community. Um, So I saw the, the progression of, of critical illness or birth, you know, from the beginning of life to the end of life from the beginning of my life. And really up close uh, because my mother is a natural, innately, you know, gifted caregiver, not a clinical person. But she was one of the people in our little community who everyone called on when they were sick and needed someone to sit with them or care for them or take care of the family or the person who was dying. She would go to their homes or in the hospital and I went with her quite a bit and saw a lot of uh, the you know the real experiences and vulnerability and the care that needed to happen between the family and the person dying or the person who was sick and a caregiver. And my mother actually provided um, a lot of the care then that uh, wasn't necessarily available in a home setting through home you know a hospital home care situation. So I saw a lot of that, and my best friend and her family owned the funeral home. So I saw a lot of what happened after death and uh, a lot of the full expression of grief from you know men, women and children, you know, the family who really, were at that time, you know, which was a long time ago, um, still connected to grieving in a in a very deep way, where there was no uh, limit or shame or kind of cultural taboo around being seen and heard while grieving, and so I also, because her father was the embalmer and the funeral director. I just, I saw it all. I saw the caskets on the third floor and I saw the dead body in the basement where her father was doing the embalming. And um, I had a, so I had a really firsthand experience with all of the aspects of end of life life as they were more naturally um, expressed, you know, a few decades ago. And I've seen the changes, in our culture and my background also includes uh, counseling, working with individuals and families for a long period of time and learning um, somatic, uh, expressive, therapeutic types of interventions beyond cognitive talk therapy. And eventually I changed my, brought my work in uh, working with families and individuals. Into organizational development and facilitating large numbers of people in corporations and organizations to uh, understand how to really communicate and have a deep relational experience inside business, and also um, work with how they incorporated their personal gifts and talents into the vision um, of the company. So. Eventually, I started working with healthcare and long-term care, and saw that in long-term care, over a period of eighteen months, working with a large, large corporation um, in 1998, um, that nobody was talking about death. And um, after that contract, consulting contract ended with them, I I was very compelled and called to this work. So um, I did. And it took a long time before it actually evolved into the work that I do now, which is primarily facilitating people who are called to serve at end of life to become a sacred passage doula. And the distinction that is mine to offer the, the training program that I have that is very unique and different from other certification programs that are available, which are also awesome. Um, but but mine really is focused on the transformation and nurturance and care and education of the caregiver uh, so that the people who are called to serve have the most foundational, somatic, emotional, spiritual experiences, embodied experiences of what it's like to be to receive care and to ask questions and go through uh, a really rich deep transformational process in their own lives that then they can translate into the care of families and people who are dying.
0: Wow, wonderful. And what what did you notice, you know, through just through all of your observations and the work that you've been doing before you created the Institute, what has been the overall culture of death and dying that you have seen, which led you really to this call to begin to provide what was missing? Um, I think the you know, the observation
1: that I'm going to make is probably very similar to any trainer or person in the the death positive movement. You know, this answer for me really is that over time, and not through anyone's fault, the process of dying has become almost completely medicalized. And we've begun to, uh, you know, give over our dying processes and care during our dying experience and end of life living times to the medical community who are doing the very best that they can to keep people alive, and it's very antithetical and kind of paradoxical that we we believe that, and we or we as a culture have begun to hand over our the activity of dying, the expression and the experiences of dying, to a medical community whose whose uh, call is to keep people alive. And so what I see is that we've just moved everything about our health, including death and dying, into medical, curative, technical care. And people really don't realize that there's anything different that could happen or better until they're actually in it or after it's over, and they realize that things, many things could have gone better. And then there's this almost kind of remorse and let down and left over, and a lot of grief that, that they have to process that isn't just uh, normal grief. There's a lot of processing that doesn't really get to be completed, but needs to be done because the things they go through in a critical care experience or in a hospital setting are so far removed from the life-fulfilling care and attention that could happen if they had the care of a doula, an end-of-life doula, to support them, the family, and the patient who's dying to really focus on the things that are the most important for them that get lost while they're receiving medical or curative care.
0: Now, some of our listeners might be questioning themselves, well, what what exactly is an end-of-life doula going to do for me and my family? Let's say if, uh, if there's a listener out there and their mother is passing away or their grandmother is and they're listening to this podcast and they're saying, well, what does the end-of-life doula do that might be different than a hospice volunteer or a hospice nurse or the community there that they have if they have called in hospice. What's what's the difference and why would someone seek out an end of life doula? Great question. Um, you
1: a family would seek out an end of life doula because they they're not receiving on in the, on a level of quantity enough care at home from hospice, there they might not be the hospice is the best we've got. It's awesome. And an end of life doula is someone who always supports the family to receive hospice or palliative care if they're not all already doing that. So that pain management, which is sometimes the the focal point of the the hospice nurse or hospice clinical person's uh, care, so that they can have more than that. So, a, a family do well by receiving an end of life doula to support them, and the their in in that the doula can really ask big bold questions and questions that would allow the family and the patient to understand more of what they need and want. What are your priorities? How do you want to spend these last days so that your time with your family and your last few weeks or months or days um, on this earth can be the best that they can possibly be? So an end-of-life doula is a, a, this is not the best way to say it, but fills the gap between medical or hospice care and the care that the person needs to uh, to to have a life fulfilling end of life experience and the and, and end of life doula the ones that go through my training are are trained in modalities in all five domains of life spiritual emotional physical intellectual or meaning and life review and after death care. So they would be able, a doula would be able to help the family and the patient understand the things that are, that if you had three months to live or two weeks to live or the last uh, you know, five days of your life, what do you really want relationally with your family? What, do, what are your spiritual concerns and questions? And is there anything that I could support you to receive spiritually before before you pass is there anything that you haven't talked about about how you want your body attended to after you die and do you know some of the uh, more sustainable green types of after-death care and burial experiences that are available is there something that we can do that will help you review your life and and create legacy projects for you with your family, you die and those kinds of things. But a doula really uh, steps in and, you know, if if food is needed or a call is needed to the hospice uh, community, the, the clinicians that are on board or to the medical doctor, you know the doula can actually do things for the family that they may not know they can do or have time to do. They can provide respite care so that the family gets to take a break. They can be an example of how to ask questions and bring loving, nurturing, physical, spiritual, emotional support to the to the one who is dying, so that the family really gets to re member what it's like to be the primary living support for our own people because we've we've given most of this care over to the medical community we've just forgotten what it looks like and what what's possible or what to do i mean people are really just innocently and unfortunately unaware of, of what they can do for the one who's, you know, their their loved one and, and you know, and, and scared to to either not do something they think they should do that's medical or uh, they, you know, in critical situations when people are nearing the end of life, one of the things that is the most, I think, important for people to remember is we have some people may have end of life directives that say I don't want to be resuscitated I don't want to go back to the hospital I don't want to go to the, the emergency room anymore and and <laughs> it is likely to happen that if the dying person is experiencing a critical life event regardless of what they've written in their advanced directives everyone is so un, unfamiliar with what to do and scared about how am I going to be with you while you're having another you know heart attack when you have had three already and we've taken you to the hospital and they've done all of these extreme types of care for you but now you don't want to do it anymore and here I am I'm your husband and I don't know what to do so I'm going to call nine one one. And one of the things a doula can do is to support the family to stay present and to remember the vows in a way that they have that they've taken what they want and what they don't want, so they don't get interrupted anymore in medical events, which only could only will will cause the person to live. That may decrease the quality of life that they could have if just knew they just had somebody in present and aware and supportive to go through whatever is happening with the family and the patient.
0: Great, thank you. Yeah, that that clears it up, um, you know, a little bit more. And it also sounds like the end of life doula plays many roles and wears many hats during this process, or has the ability to, if that's what the family and the caregivers need. Yeah,
1: and you know, every I just want to say, any person who's called to this work is a person who has a huge heart and a huge capacity. To, to, to be a loving, caring, healing presence. And that's a lot of what people really need during this time so that you know the other people who are giving the medical care, technical, curative care, if they're still choosing that, can do their job. And the doula can supplement and add to and give more of uh, the innately... in in a loving and caring gifts that they have to the family um, during that time.
0: Yeah, and you know, when I first heard the term end of life doula, my brain immediately went to uh, the very end stages of life, like maybe this is when you would call someone in. But as you were talking and describing what the end of life doula does, I almost um, think that. It would also be very interesting or a good idea to call in an end of life doula, maybe when someone is given that uh, diagnosis of a terminal illness, or maybe they do have a year or three to live. I mean, it may not have to be three months or weeks where it seems, you know, hospice uh can come in rather quickly when the person is passing. But I've also, I used to volunteer for hospice. I know that they can sometimes work with people for quite a while, you know, a year or so as well. But when you were talking about the doula, really asking those tough questions, you know, if you do have someone in your life that has been given, um, you know, a diagnosis that is will lead to death in a shorter period of time, I would kind of think that this would be really ideal to begin to have that that conversation, those tough conversations, if the family has not had that before.
1: Right. Beautiful. Beautiful insight there. Um, one, of, I, I, one of the differences in the training that I um, facilitate is we work with, we intentionally work with. Uh, moving the time frame back from the last three weeks, days, hours of life to a three-month care and planning process called the best three months of life. And what we know, what I know through experience in working with doulas and families and patients over the last five years in the training and the work that I do, is that the the more people in our country who have had someone like an, like, uh, an end-of-life doula ask questions from the pr- practice of the best three months in all five domains of life, the more prepared we are to know that what we want isn't all medical and that there are people called doulas who, when we get ready, if something happens and our mothers and fathers do need care, or we need care, or our children need care during the end of life, we know that there's an alternative or a supplemental additional uh, complementary way of receiving care during that time. So the best three months end-of-life coaching and care planning process is a practicum that my end-of-life doulas go through after their first phase, the three-day on-site called Conscious Dine practices for awakening now and then the the practicum is a process of using a uh, a coaching model which gives our dualists the capacity to ask questions in all five domains of life starting with if you had 3 months to live what would and you're exactly the age that you are right now and you suddenly received a terminal diagnosis what would your spiritual priority be and how could i help you fulfill that or what would what would you prioritize relationally or emotionally and how can i support you to receive that and on down the list of physically um, intellectually with life review and legacy or with after death care and by by entering into this kind of engagement like Life-fulfilling engagement process with someone well before they're dying. We have more capacity to change the culture of end of life because those big questions have been asked, which usually no one takes the time or, you know, feels that it's our right to ask. Um, and a part of the importance to me of having this kind of Inquiry is because there are so many people who rightfully choose to continue receiving curative care, extraordinary care throughout the, the, the their whole living through dying time, and what could be better for those people than to have someone actually help them understand why are you choosing to live? And how can I help you make the most of the time that you're gaining through receiving these treatments while you're still alive, so that you don't miss this time that you're 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 choosing to 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 use in this particular way, and you know especially I think of. Um, so many beautiful women who have breast cancer and young children and of course they're going to choose to have another round of chemo if if there's any hope of having more time to live you know it's it's so human and so understandable and the effects of that treatment are such that that sometimes the person is just completely absorbed the pain and the suffering that the treatment causes and there's really not much attention that, that anyone gives them on the level of what is it you why is it that you are wanting to live and how can I support you to have what you really want and to me that's one of the most beautiful things that can happen when a doula is trained in this way so that they don't miss that focus with the people that they're serving.
0: Yeah, and you know those are some pretty big questions that you are asking that individual and person. And I'm, I'm just curious to know: would your doulas um, also help the person with any family relationships that might? not be healed or, you know, if if somebody's last dying wishes or what would make them feel um you know more at peace in order to transition would be to have a conversation with their long lost brother who they haven't talked to in like five years. Um, you know, would the doula help to facilitate some of the family stuff? Because just because somebody is dying doesn't mean all the family issues or problems goes away, it can actually complicate some things too. And I know that sometimes family dynamics can get kicked up quite a bit. Um, if, if there is somebody that's passing, there could be, you know, large money of estates involved or things of that sort. Um, do you guys also participate in any of those conversations within the family if that's requested?
1: Um, so let us let me just recap something that you said and kind of highlight that. So you said sometimes it can happen that there's challenging issues between the family. And I would say a little differently, whatever is not resolved in, in the family uh, constellation will come up for healing during the, the time period that the family is, knows that, the, that, the pa- that someone's dying. So, you can just, we can just pretty much say it's whatever's there is going to arise. And, and then the next question is who's there to support? Well, if you have hospice, you have a social worker and a chaplain, and absolutely those people can address and support you with some of those issues. And it's often the caregiver who's at bedside who's seeing all these dynamics arise every time the brother comes in or the mother comes in or the father comes in or the husband or the wife and you go, oh, wow, look at, you know, this is what's happening and everyone's really hurting here and nobody's really addressing it. And so the doula might be a person who begins to inquire to the patient or to one of the family members and report back on something that they've seen. You know, you don't have to be we're not training people to be a therapist. We're we're training people to observe and read the field, my the people who are my dualists, so that they can they can say, you know, to the daughter as an example, the last time you were here, I heard you say to your brother he, your, about your father, he never loved me like he loves you. He never wanted me to be with him like he wants you. And the, the doula, by saying that and just saying, you know, how are you feeling about that now? Could just be available for the daughter to have someone to talk to about that. So it's not a side conversation or, you know, unattended to. So we're not, we're, the training that the duals have that go through my program are in deep conscious communication practices of basic listening and re- reflecting back and observing and reading the field so that you can say to people, I noticed when you said, I noticed that you said this. And when you did that, you looked like you were really angry, but you you stomped out of the room and you left your mother there in the chair all by herself and I'm wondering if there's something that else you would rather do you know anything like that and it's not about fixing and cure you know and doing you know being the one who's responsible for mending but the responsib- response response, capacity of a doula trained in conscious dine communication practices is really high so that she or he as a doula can really observe and ask and be someone listening actively listening and reflecting
0: back okay great now i know that your institute it it looks like that people who are interested in doing this, you provide the training and the certification. And then do these people individually then just go off on their own and offer this service to people within their communities? Or are there nonprofit uh, organizations that are taking these doulas and and providing this as a service? Or is it more of a private uh, kind of pay thing that you would do to bring a doula in?
1: There are a lot of routes that a doula could take after the training, and one of them is to create her own or his own uh, professional end-of-life doula care service. Um, That's uh, something that's dependent on the the doula's capacity to work their network, to advertise, you know, it's it's a business. Uh, So they could do that. They could... Form a team of doula with other doulas who've in the same location, who are who've completed the training. They can, you know, post information where they're, you know, how to get in touch with them. Do advertising collectively. They can go and and offer their services to long-term care centers. Um, They could, they can absolutely volunteer in different places. But the thing that I'm working with right now is different than our is additional to recommending that people go into volunteer situations. It's it's working with hospices and I won't name the different hospices that I'm working with right now, but we're looking at rather than having our doulas come in and, and be a part of the volunteer base where they can't really do all the things that they've been trained to do as a doula, we're looking at bringing them into being a part of the care team and short internship so that the hospice team, they're incorporated into the care team of a hospice community that already exists and can be uh, observed and, and really understand in this growing grassroots movement, the value to the families and the patients and to the staff of, uh, of hospices, um, the, the value of the end of life doula to the family and patients and staff. So that's another way um we do have different hostages in our in, in different locations that are aware of our work and are, are very, you know, uh, in agreement receiving our doulas after they graduate to be volunteers. And um, I think that might answer your question.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did I, I did I was- that help? It, it, yeah, it does help. I have a couple of follow ups to that too because I'll ask some of the questions that maybe the audience you know that's listening might have too. and I was I was wondering if if there was going to be a bridge between hospice and this work. So you did answer that for me. Um, and I guess you know, people would probably wonder after listening to this, well, if I wanted to hire a doula, uh, what what's the what is the cost? You know, are you hiring someone? Um, is it like a contract that they come in and provide the family? this service until the person passes? Is it an hourly thing? Is it dependent upon what the person who gets the certification decides to do for their business? But what have you seen with your graduates and how, how they work that business end? Because, you know, like you said, it is a business and they're going through the training and if they are not able to, um, volunteer their time to do this or work in conjunction with an organization, and it does become a part of their livelihood, um, you know, how does that work out financially? Um, great question. So from the family's perspective, the
1: easiest way of understanding this is that you're hiring a personal home caregiver or you're hiring a caregiver, an end-of-life caregiver to come to be with you in whatever care setting you're in. And with just... As with personal care, you're paying out of pocket for that. You would be paying out of pocket for doula care. So the rates could be uh, initiated hourly and pay, you know, like pay as we go. And the hourly rate for that is different depending on what the doula feels comfortable with. And that could range from $25 an hour to $75 an hour. Some doulas create a package that have gone th- through my program so that uh, once the the time for the vigil comes, there's a three-day vigil service, 24-7 service, and they uh, create a price for that that in- includes 24-hour care for a three-day period. And that that ranges from... I like $1,800 we could say to $2,900. It just, it depends on the amount of uh, what the doula is comfortable with and what the family is comfortable with. with, Most doulas are very open to working with the family so they can afford their care. Some doulas work pro bono. um, And I had some doulas who were working in the Boulder area who charge $75 an hour. They come in sometimes twice a week. Before the dying time, to really work with what the family wants and needs, and to understand what they want during the very, very last few days of life, so that a vigil can be created and a there's a sacred uh, experience for the family and being holding everyone through that process. Um, they could work with the best three months process way before they get to the last three days of life, and and work with a package for. Both the vigil and the best three months of life, the care planning process before that, or just as I said in the beginning, a la carte, kind of like, you know, this is an hourly, here's my hourly rate, and here's how, you know, I receive pay for that.
0: Great. Yeah, I think that's very helpful. And I know on your, um, your website, you actually have a doula directory. So if people um, are by their computer, they can go to conscious dying com, And there is a doula directory where if you're looking to see if there is anyone in your area, there's there's quite a list on this page of of many people that you can scroll down and and call they have all their information on there as well. That's right. It's,
1: I think it's more difficult right now, unfortunately, to find a doula than it is to become a doula, finding, finding information on how you can become a doula. Uh, you know, it takes a little bit of research, just like anything we need to do. We always go to the Internet now and do a search for it. So end-of-life doula services, uh, end-of-life doula care uh, are, are search terms that you can use, doula directory. Uh, End-of-life doula directory, um, those kinds of things will support you to to call up uh, um, names of people. There are many more doulas trained in my organization than are listed on the site. If someone um, can't find a doula from my directory and wants to um, get further, deeper help on having the doula services, they could email info at consciousdying.com. Institute.com and ask if we could help them locate one of their doulas in the location where they live.
0: Oh, perfect. That's great. Yes. Well, Taryn, thank you so much. Um, I learned a lot on this call today, and I'm looking forward to actually meeting you in person at the Afterlife Awareness Conference in Utah. And I know that you're going to be presenting there. And is it? Uh, are you going to be presenting a lot on what we talked about today, or is it going to be a little bit different?
1: I'm going to be talking. I believe my topic is on... Um- Caring for the body after death and grief support. What grieving? How grieving um, can be supported? And preparations that um, help people move into the care. The care and planning portion of um, moving toward end of life
0: great. All right. Well, well, we will see you in June. I'll come find you and introduce myself so we can have a That's face-to-face, uh, you know, just a, a hello, which is always nice to meet people that I get to talk to virtually. And uh, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It's it's wonderful. I'm going to check out your programs and your training. Um, I really loved when I was a hospice volunteer and have done some, you know, work in the field that I do with energy healing and have been around. Around people who have been actively dying and there's a really special place in my heart with this work so yeah oh. i'm I'm, d- I'm dabbling with it I'm, I'm i'm every time i talk to somebody like you i'm like oh should i go for a training should i go for a training i feel i feel a pull and if it's meant to be it'll be but there's definitely a pull there in this uh in this this work so i just really commend you for oh. everything well, thank you so much.
1: And um, if you're ever interested, you just let us know. And what I hope is that people who are listening to this um, really are able to receive an end-of-life deal in their lives when and if they need it. That's really what this is all about. Changing the culture of end-of-life really will come about as more and more people receive and identify the kinds of care that they want and need.
0: Exactly. exactly all right Taryn well thank you so much for being a guest on the path Eleven podcast today you're welcome bye-bye Thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four day four-day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to alter states of consciousness, having out of body experiences and life changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends that was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, I'd like you to head on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon. Become a Patreon today, and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people. Uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today.